welcome to episode 65 of the Adelan Rising podcast. We're your hosts, Lynn and Saren. In today's episode, we review the final issue of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, and we will be speaking with Moon Girl creator Brandon Montclair later. Um, unfortunately, today Adam could not make it. He is ill, so it's just all the ladies today. Yay! Yay! Okay, so um, we are just going to jump right into it. We don't really have any news, so... Okay. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, issue 47. Our very last issue. Mr. Fantastic, part two of two. It starts with a quote. Children need teachers who have stars in their eyes themselves and treat them with respect. By by May Britt Mosher. Uh, The writer is Brandon Montclair. Artist, Aletha E. Martinez. Colorist, Tamara Bonvillain. Litterer, Travis Lanham. And another adorable cover by Ross. Now the issue for the issue summary. Last issue ended with a defiant moon girl telling Mr. Fantastic that she's going to prove that she's the smartest there is. Back in her secret underground lab, the thing is keeping an eye on an irritated moon girl. She likes it down there. But it's not long before the rest of the Fantastic Four invite them in. And now moon girl's irritated and crowded. Mr. Fantastic doesn't want to leave things unresolved between them, but he's interrupted by Doomhead. Reed is not okay with Lunella having part of a Doombot lying around, and Doomhead's not too happy about seeing Reed either. (laughs) After some more squabbling about Doomhead's bad influence and Reed's perception of Lunella's overconfidence, Reed asks her what she wants from him. Well, what Lunella really wants is to be left alone, and to finally settle the question... Who's the smartest there is? Cut to four Yancey Street. It's been an hour and Reed's still working up a sweat trying to solve that darn banner box. Quite frankly, he questions Banner's qualifications to even make this assessment. Okay, Reed. Yeah, that, that, that's what the problem is. <laughs> so great. Reed offers up further mental challenges, just to be sure. Cue the montage. Math, some kind of virtual reality puzzle solving, chemistry. Throughout the tests, Moon Girl is being a stinker. Not only is she trying to outsmart Reed, but she's trying to psych him out with smack talk as well. But despite her drive to win this competition, Lunella considers that while she might be smarter, she hasn't made the world a better place to the extent that Reed has. So maybe she does have more to learn. Later, while they're outside levitating a very tolerant devil dinosaur, disaster strikes in the form of Doomhead, who has built himself a robot body and is going on a rampage. In typical Doom fashion, all it took was a visit from Reed to push Doomhead over the edge. In the words of Moon Girl, Doom got a Doom. (laughs) It's so true. I love it. Go ahead. While Reed formulates a plan, Devil Dinosaur makes short work of Doomhead with a single chomp. Lunella tells Reed what she's learned from Devil Dinosaur. It's possible to think about stuff too much. The rest of the four show up and Reed apologizes for underestimating Lunella, but she still won't tell him how to solve the banner box. Later, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur have a surprisingly leisurely walk down Yancey Street, stopping at the corner store again for some candy from an uncharacteristically chill shop owner. The relative peace is explained as she then turns off the cloaking device that was hiding them from the residents of Yancey Street, and the usual chaos ensues. 
The issue ends on a hopeful note with Lunella reassuring us that everything's going to be fine. I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. The end. I gave this one a five out of five lock jaws. As it should have. Um, I was very sad because this has been a book I've been reading for four years now. Mm -hmm. And now I don't have it every month to look forward to. And it's in my ever-growing list of canceled titles that I just don't have anymore. And it makes me sad. It is. It is. And it's, you know, I'm looking at my stack of trade paperbacks here. It had a good run. It did have a good run because I have a whole bunch of trade paperbacks that I got signed by Brandon Montclair at NYCC that uh, we might just have to give away sometime. I know. Everybody needs to moon girl. Yes. They need to moon girl. Um, so I have to do, there's this one quote and. <laughs> <laughs> in this issue that I absolutely loved from Lunella because Reed is very arrogant and she just kind of <laughs> <laughs> takes him down a notch with it. And he's like, we're superheroes. You don't want to be frivolous, so frivolous, do you? And she goes, you picked the name Mr. Fantastic for yourself <laughs> and you think you can lecture me about ego? <laughs> and she's not wrong. Yep. She's, she's not, not. She's not wrong. It's just so funny that Reed kind of stooped down to that level. That level <laughs> with a nine-year-old who might be smarter than him, but might not be as world-wise as him. And I just thought it was fantastic. No pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. Um. So, uh. Yeah. So, again, every issue starts with a quote. And this one was, I thought, especially meaningful for this issue. That's, again, from May Britt Mosier. Children need teachers who have stars in their eyes themselves and treat them with respect. And that's something Moon Girl, I think, has been fighting for this entire series. Getting the adults to treat her like the brilliant scientist she is, not just a kid that a precocious little kid. Right. And I always enjoy looking up who these quotes are from. And this one is uh, from Mame Britt Mosier is a Norwegian psychologist and neuroscientist. Oh, wow. Who won the uh, Nobel Prize for Physiology or Medicine in 2014, along with her husband, Edward Mosier. And their work concerned the brain's mechanism for determining spatial relationships and episodic memory. Interesting. Yes, and that's actually spatial perception is one of my favorite rants to go on at work. I'm an engineer, and criticizing my coworkers' spatial perception skills is a hobby of mine. A hobby of yours? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. No wonder that. That that is especially meaning for you. I think I'm going to have a glass of milk now. Um, <laughs> we don't talk about the milk. <laughs> I like milk. That's all. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so. Oh, but I, I did love Doombot in this, this issue. Yeah, Doombot. I mean, he the whole series. Just lost it. Yeah, he just finally, he was like, no, Reed's here. I, I can't. And like his programming. But who built it? Because he was just. I mean, took over. 
he 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 did he did he enlist the help of of Moonbot Seven to to assemble him? Like, how did he assemble himself, or did he like somehow like hack everything? <laughs> how did he assemble himself? Oh. I, I have no know. idea. Well, we'll have to ask Brandon that question because I need to know how he assembled himself. Um, I have to say one of my favorite parts of the series is the running sight gag of Doomhead and what he's attached to this issue. Yes. <laughs> he's been on a gumball machine. He's been on a rocking horse. He had a, <laughs> he was on a drone at one point. You know, I n- didn't notice all of those different ones. I just noticed sometimes I did. Yeah. That's awesome. Teddy bear. I think he was on a teddy bear. I do. I do remember the teddy bear. <laughs> I just like Doombot 7. He just became... I like how at the end she's just stuffing his head into a bag like, just go in there. I don't need you right now. <laughs> it's so great. Um, I'm kind of sad we didn't see more of Kid Cree in this series. Oh, he he was delightful. He was, and I think he was kind of a nice foil to Lanella, and I was kind of hoping he would he would come Make back. it an appearance near the end. Yeah. I'm, I'm sad he didn't. Yeah. It makes me... It makes me sad. Um, makes me hope for a relaunch when the cartoon comes out. I think that's all but guaranteed, truthfully. Because yeah. why wouldn't they do it? But I have a feeling that um, from what I found out with the cartoon, and we may touch on this again with Brandon in a little bit, mm-hmm. um, the cartoon is going to age her up to 13. Yeah. And I don't know if they're going to do the have- inhuman part of her. Or going to change it. Yeah. So we'll find out. We will find out, but um, I'm glad that it seems like they're keeping the inhuman part of Ms. Marvel for the TV show. Yes, and I heard they're casting the royal family for that. So who knows? I I know I did see that. Seems like a pretty uh, good rumor. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to wait and see there. But um, yeah, I'm really. Excited for the cartoon. Is that airing on? No, it's it's Disney Plus. Disney it, it is going on Disney Plus. Is it? I don't remember. Yeah, I think it's a dis- going to be a Disney Plus show. But Disney Animation is doing it, not the Marvel Animation people. I think, yeah. which is very interesting, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see where that goes. But I think that Moon Girl's not going to be gone for long. If the cartoon's coming out, they're probably going to launch a comic to coincide with it, like they did with Marvel Rising. Um, yeah, I think, and that's... it's the showrunner is Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, did, did you ever watch Blackish? Uh, no. He, he's not. the grandpa on Blackish, and he is absolutely hysterical. Well, I, I never know... thought of him as a, like a funny actor before, but oh my gosh! Apparently, people confuse him and Samuel L. Jackson because they each have How? shirts. I don't know, but <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson has a shirt that says, I'm not Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> Just so you know. Um, yeah, he oh, was wearing right. that all during the Winter Soldier press release tour. Apparently it was a thing. That's hysterical. No. no. But back to Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur. Um, we have... So many great moments throughout this series. I mean, 47 issues, which is a lot. Um, 
Yep, and- that's the longest running Inhumans title next to Ms. Marvel. Oh crap! So it is. Um, that's crazy. Um, so what are our top ten Moon Girl moments? Okay. Shall we start with number ten and work our way down, or work our way up? Yes. Oh, that, that works too. <laughs> <laughs> or no, I don't know. Yeah, let's just start. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Number ten, Moonbot Seven's existential crisis. We've all been Moonbot Seven. I oh, forget what issue it. that was, but we've all been Moonbot Seven. And I want to yeah. know, maybe Moonbot 7. She should, like, I don't know. I love Moonbot 7. This this is why we need another series. This was not resolved. I know. We need to know. Like, she still wonders why she exists. Like, like has she has she come to terms with that? I don't think she has at this point because she was just right at the the epitome of her crisis. I mean. Mm-hmm. We're concerned about Moonbot 7. We'll have to ask about oh. that, too. <laughs> All right. Number nine. Dino <laughs> Thor. He was adorable. He was worthy. He was so worthy. Devil Dinosaur is canically worthy. That was great. That was the War of the Realms tie-in, right? Yes. <laughs> Well, one of them, yeah. One of them. You know. Dino Thor. Adventure in Asgard with Thor, illustrated by Gustavo Duarte. Yes. Oh, it was so good. And how they drew uh, it. Oh, it was so yes, good. He had the little Thor out. He had the Thor outfit and everything. And the hammer. He was precious. It was so great. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Number eight. The X-Men 80s flashback. <laughs> Going to the mall, everybody in their old 80s costumes, even Forge in his short shorts. <laughs> that was, that was an outfit. That was an outfit. <laughs> that definitely was an outfit. And we had the leg warmers and everything. Yep. I have a feeling Natasha Bustos had a lot of fun with that issue. Oh, yeah. that. And what an 80s looking mall it was. Oh, God. I just... Yeah. Just Google 80s malls. If you haven't seen what a mall looked like in the 80s, just Google it. Lots of neon. Oh, yeah. Number seven. Kid Cree's Declaration of Love. Oh. Poor guy. Had to go back home. He's so Twitter-pated. He he is Twitter-pated. And I love... (laughs) I would like to um, point out, too, how much I love Kid Cree, but how much I also love Kid Cree's parents and how oh Natasha Bustos would draw the mother's not-impressed looks. Yes. Because, yeah. Kid she, Cree. She's great at facial expressions. And what was his, what was his, I can't, I just call him Kid Cree, but what was his name? It was like a play on Marvel. Mel- Melvar, right? Melvar. Melvar. Yes. Interesting. He was so intent on capturing her, and then he fell in love. They, yeah, I had to go back and read that arc. That's like the very first arc. It was so good. Yes. With the Lego competition. Yes. 
Which apparently is a thing, and I like that the Javits Center was drawn in that and featured in that issue. It was pretty cool. cool. I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah, it's the Javits Center. Like they like there's a little thing in the Javits Center where they have NYCC. So when you sit there and it's kind of cool when you're like in a comic, you go, "Hey, I've been there." That's cool. Um, number six. The first mind swap. <laughs> I have Moon not... Girl and Devil Dinosaur swap minds for the first time, and I just love the body language change. Yes. Yes, because... Lunello going on a rampage through the classroom. And just jumping and just... on things, and I want to know. Like, we know how Lunella feels being in Devil Dinosaur's body, and she, like, as the series goes on, she slowly gains control of when she's in Devil Dinosaurs, when her mind is in Devil she just, like, gains control of the body a bit more each time. Yep. I kind of want to know. I mean, Devil Dinosaur is Devil Dinosaur. But, like... <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> yeah. I just... I sit there and I'm sitting there going, but in some little part of his little teeny tiny brain, does he go, hey, I can jump on stuff now? That's kind of cool. This is neat. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Anyway, number five. We are halfway there. Solving the banner box. I would like to know. In in seconds, if I recall correctly. Yeah, she did. She solved it's it like, like boop. Really, All right, done. Really quick. <laughs> what I want to know, other than the fact that how many people that pissed off because it pissed off so many people when they heard that Lunella was starter than Reese Richards and I thought that was fantastic. So many yep. people got their panties in a wad over that and it was great. I'm a terrible <laughs> person for probably saying that, but you know what? I'm going to say it. The little kid's smarter than you. Smarter than Reese. That's right. Deal with it. And it's a little girl, too. Yeah. Deal with it. But, but boy, he sure had a hard time with it in this, this issue. Yeah, he did. Which was even funnier. But. But. How did the thing get a hold of the banner box again? Because I don't remember. It was, it was Amadeus Cho walking around making oh, people Oh, it was Amadeus Cho. Why it? did I think it was the thing? I don't know. Oh, Amadeus Cho makes far more sense. I couldn't remember. He wanted to know where he was. So he was getting all the, the smart people to take it. Oh, yeah. That's right. I totally forgot about that. And then she just raffle stomped everyone. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, why mm -hmm. did I think it was the thing? I'm clearly getting myself confused. Well, there's 47 issues to look back on it. I know. It's kind of a jumble. It is kind of a jumble, and I... Yeah. Number four. Moon Girl Saves Christmas. That was a good one. I love that it, issue. Making sure everyone gets their Fantastic Four thing for for Christmas. Even Eduardo, who was supposed to get coal. <laughs> Poor Eduardo. But Lunella, he's Eduardo. He's Eduardo, but I love him. But, yeah, that was a really great issue. I forget what issue number that was, but find it, read it. We're getting into Christmas. It's a good gift to give if you can find it. Sure, it's in one of the collected editions that, you know, we might be giving away prior to Christmas and mailing out to whoever wins it. That's mm. right. Mm. Mm. Don't worry. The details on that's coming soon. Um, Number three. The triumphant return of Devil Dinosaur to complete the Fantastic Four. Yay! Yay! That was a great arc. I love that it arc. It was so sad when he was gone. 
It was. It wasn't the same without DD. And I'm glad he came back because he's like, you know what? I belong with Lunella. And here I am with his little That's Fantastic right. Four outfit. It was so great. Also, I love can- I love all his little outfits throughout the series. Yes. I do like the little space suit he had. Oh. Honorable mention, the space suit. That was really great. Yeah. So great. <laughs> Number two. The Ghost Rider race. <laughs> it was so great. That was her teaming up with different people from the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Just the one Ghost Rider. What does Adam call it? A penny farthing? And a penny farthing. And we had a like a <laughs> tricycle. She was like on a big wheel, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And with the, the penny farthing. <laughs> with the mustache and the hat. <laughs> yes. That's I'm sorry, that's the best ghost rider of all time. Yes. That is there's no contest on that. And if you're a ghost rider fan and you'd like to disagree, read that issue of Moon Girl and you'll agree. That's the best Ghost Rider of all time, and we need more stories about that particular Ghost Rider. I'm sure if we talk to Al Ewing, he'll 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 do something with it. I'm sure. Oh, uh, there there would be fisticuffs and everything. It'd be great. <laughs> fisticuffs. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and 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 shorts that go up, you know, to your yep. chest. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and socks that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that needs to happen. And the number one Moon Girl moment of all time. The moment we've all been waiting for. Meeting Mr. Fantastic. Woo! Because it really had to happen. It did. And it did happen. And I'm still pretty sure that Reed really hasn't quite accepted it yet. Probably not. Although, isn't Valeria smarter than him, too? Valeria's also smarter than him. So he's really the third smartest. Yes. I believe people have started calling him the smartest dad in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> That's, That's his new title. Smartest dad. Yep. Smartest dad there is. And then, oh, now I need to team up with, we never saw Valeria and Moon Girl together. Yeah, they were in, um, they were in Fantastic Four, weren't they? Well, yeah. Oh, were they? But yeah, I didn't read Girl. those issues. I'm not reading Fantastic But not in Moon Girl, no. Yeah, no, it was it was cute when Valeria and Moon Girl met, and Mister Fantastic's head comes in from, from off panel, and I'm so proud of you both. <laughs> Does that issue take place before or after the final issue of Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur? Before. <laughs> really though, I mean, because you can have comics. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. That's true. Maybe this it takes... Seemed like it, it, it seemed like Fantastic Four was their first meeting. Hmm. I haven't really read Fantastic Four, so I need to fix yeah. that. But, uh, yes, meeting Mr. Fantastic and showing him that you can be nine years old and smarter. That's Although, right. really, sometimes I think Sue is smarter than Reed, too, because I think it really just all comes down to common sense. There's, <laughs> there's different kinds of intelligence. That's true. Yeah. Moon Girl's got the book smarts. She still needs to work on the wisdom and the common sense a little bit. Yeah, well, she's nine. She's nine. She's nine. That's okay. And then honorable mention, because it's not (laughs) in the series, but it's a great, great, 
great Moon Girl moment. Moon Girls, Skype Conversations with Karnak from Secret Warriors by Matt Rosenberg. Please enlighten were, us because I can't fantastic. remember all of them. They, there, there were two main ones that were full pages and the first one, you can tell that they've had conversations before because Moon Girl, who's famously Peach Karnak, who is even, you know, she doesn't ask him how he's doing after he asks her how she's doing. So he gets a little testy. How, you know, how are you doing, Karnak? How I am is inconsequential. And they have another one where he's trying to walk her through the thought process of tracking someone down. And it's, it's just delightful. Yes. No. The answer. As much as I, I love seeing Mr. Fantastic and Moon Girl together, Karnak and Moon Girl needed a series together. Not just Secret Warriors. Not like that. They just need like a team-up series. Do a Marvel team-up that is Moon Girl and Karnak. They are great. And you know, the, with you, her usual adult mentors, Doctor Strange, Mr. Fantastic, the problem is usually getting them to accept how smart she is yeah. and that she can handle stuff. And then you go complete opposite with Karnak, who has almost too much faith in her. Yes. Yeah, yes. Cool. Be the leader of the Inhumans. Excellent. <laughs> this is a good plan. What could possibly go wrong with a nine-year-old in charge? Right. Oh, my God. Oh, Karnak, I love you. <laughs> but, uh, so... That wraps up our summary of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number 47, although we will be touching back on these points when we talk to Brandon Montclair here in a little bit. Welcome back uh, to Adelan Rising, Brandon. This is your uh, third time on our show, so it's great to have you. Um, Thank you. A, it's yeah, good to be here. There's a lot. So we um, had 47 issues of Moon Girl, um, which is the longest running in human title next to Miss Marvel. How do you feel? Not bad. Not bad at all. Um, it's one of Marvel's few all-age books. Yeah, it's it's. I, I can say it a hundred times, but it's it'll always be true that nobody really thought we thought we'd get more than six. That's kind of a joke, but you know, twelve issues. Um, we felt like that was kind of like the goal to get to, and it was funny because a lot of Marvel books are five issue arcs, but we are you know, and some some publishers even try to get to four issues and then collect, you know. Uh, but they gave us room, I think, because they thought it was, again, the all-ages stuff. And they wanted kind of to breathe a little bit more and not be so dense, the pages. Um, so they gave us six and probably 12. And we really didn't think we were going to get past that. So that we got, uh, you know, way past that is, uh, is pretty cool. And I would just like to say that, you know, it is an all-ages book. But as an adult reading it, I never felt like... I was being you know, talked down to. It's not something that you go, oh, this is just for little kids. Yeah, we took it that really seriously. Is yeah, yeah, that, I mean, that was that's just exactly it. It was something that everybody could could read and enjoy. Uh, was was the goal of it? A lot of times, of course, all ages means kid stuff, and unfortunately, a lot of kid stuff is like things parents will find safe for kids. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of. I mean, there's there's plenty, but there's maybe not enough of kids book. That really appealed to kids, so we wanted really to do it all and to and to be uh, funny on a couple of different levels. Something that you could reread and find stuff in it. Uh, obviously, be visually interesting, uh, which was uh, um, you know not hard, not easy to draw, but easy to kind of set up when you have a big dinosaur running around <laughs> and time and time travel and all the 
Marvel <laughs> Universe to play with. But uh, yeah, we were very conscious of all those things to kind of be. Um, that was a challenge, but that's what made it cool to do. Um, that well, book that would yeah. appeal to both kids and kids at heart. <laughs> yeah, and and and, and Mar- yeah, and Marvel readers and non-Marvel readers and, and everything like that. Um, you know, uh, it was uh, Amy Reader and Natasha Bustos and I. We all the three of us combined uh, are given creator credit, which is great uh, yes. for Moon Girl. Jack Kirby created mm-hmm. that Devil Dinosaur, but um, it was something where uh, you know we all kind of bring things into it uh, and. You know, I think it's safe to say more than Natasha and Amy, I kind of knew the Marvel stuff. Uh, so we really did want to make it, like, make her, even with the alliterative Lunella Lafayette name, that she's a scientist, uh, like Peter Parker was, like Reed Richards is, like, Ant, uh, like Ant-Man, like Iron Man, all of them. Uh, so something that we're kind of really conscious of, and we said, oh, we also wanted to appeal to Marvel fans. And I think, you know, I, I was a little bit, more familiar with Marvel superhero stuff. All that being said, you know, you, you go through 47 issues and you meet readers. And a lot of our readers are new readers. And a lot of them are less interested or confused when Hulk shows up and it's not Bruce Banner, it's Amadeus Joe or some, or just other characters would, would pop in. And I, you know, I love putting the thing in there. I love putting Dr. Strange and like all those characters, but from the most of the readers that I've interacted with, they always wanted just a little bit more of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and didn't care about all that stuff. But, you know, like I said, there's always a balance trying to get everybody into it. And I think if you have read Marvel Comics or Inhuman Comics uh, specifically or any of that stuff, that there's even something in there that the casual reader or the 10 year olds never going to get. But that was really, yeah, it really was something to, to try to put a little bit of, uh, of everything in there. Yes. Um, and you know it was it was you know interesting when you brought up all the other scientist characters, right? They were all guys. Yeah. And well, uh, I'm I'm an engineer. I've been reading comics for like 30 years. And when I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of you know STEM related female superheroes to look up to. Right. I had like Myra Taggart, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's, you know, it's something the whole business has struggled with, not just obviously in the sciences, but all their characters and, or, and, and the characters that they have chosen to feature. And obviously a lot of that's changed in the last few years, and I think Moon Girl was only a small part of that change. But I, have, I grew up with brothers and, and male cousins. and, and uh, You know, when I was a kid, it, the, you went to a comic convention or you collected comics. Um, you know, there's always a few female fans and readers, but really among, like, peer groups, like, you know, people who are into comics in, in my high school and my junior high, they're all guys, you know. Um, uh, I have two daughters. I had uh, one's only just turned three, but my older daughter was, uh, I guess she's not 10, so she was around, uh, you know, five when the book came out. And um, you really notice things that I, even though I worked in comics as a retailer and publishing for a long time, you always hear about, oh, it's important to have um to relate to have somebody to relate to uh, if you're a reader or something that you kind of have an interest in. And it wasn't until, you know, my daughter got around the age where she was into that type of stuff that you would see, she would really seek out um, maybe the one female character in something like star Wars or, or and really, you know, cause she's watching it with me or with, with somebody else. And they, and she really would kind of latch on to the one 
female character or the one kid in the book or something like that. So uh, it really, that, that old cliche, which I, I didn't not believe it, but I, I guess I never maybe appreciated how true it is for some people until, like I said, I saw my daughter doing that. I, I've, I've told this story before, like, you know, sometimes she'd wake up in the middle of the night and she wouldn't go back to sleep and she'd want to watch something on the iPad and, uh, or the iPhone. And then it would be, um, you know, too late. And I said, I'm not gonna let her watch whatever she wants. Cause then she'll stay up all night. So like watch an old episode of the 18 because from when I was a kid, you know, like, <laughs> and, um, you know, she would say her favorite member of the 18 was, you know, whatever, whoever guest starred and was, you know, the, the woman in, in that episode, you know, cause uh, they, were, they had one, they yeah. had one kind of recurring. Yeah. I was, I was that way yeah. when I was little yeah. too, mm-hmm. I would latch yeah. on. So having characters like for me, when I was a kid, I, I had like, Kimberly and Trini, the Power Rangers, and Xena. And those are who right. I really latched on to. So now we have Lunella, and we've got, you know, uh, Unstoppable Wasp, and her agents of girls. We have Riri Williams, and we've got Squirrel Girl, and they're all into, like, either computer science or some sort of STEM. And I think, and Mockingbird, too. Um, and I think, it's just, if anything, that just shows you how important it really is. And like you said, like, to appreciate, you know, making sure that everyone's represented. Yeah. And I I really like doing it. I mean, I like doing a book that my daughter likes to read, you know, Mm -hmm. um, even on that basic level, it's, uh, maybe obviously satisfying, but you know, it really opens your eyes to a lot of stuff because there's not a lot of kids or kid friendly things in the Marvel universe, you know, um, there's, there's certainly not just moon girl moon girls kind of, you know, as the young hero, but I think there's a lot of stuff that can, do well with an all ages audience famously obviously well not famously but something that in the conversations i always have the the sister book is really squirrel girl you know i, I think everyone was trying to maybe chase and emulate a little bit of the su- success of ms marvel but squirrel girl was the one that was also put in scholastic uh, book fairs when moon girl was and it was just that yeah it's it's, it's not and it's not a couple thousand it's not even tens of thousands like a hundred thousand young fans are picking up squirrel girl and moon girl through those uh school book fairs and it really is um you know something i think you know equally unique is, is just to have a kid audience because kids hopefully you know you know no matter where they're from they can kind of see themselves in the marvel universe through a character like uh like uh, lunella uh, as much as kids love to see maybe squirrel girl or Captain Marvel or Hulk and Iron Man and everybody else. Right. Um, yeah, but it's, it, it was really nice to work on that. Not just personally, but it's made me think a lot and I'm doing a lot of stuff kind of for that market. Now, uh, some of the creator on stuff I am coming up and kids books. Um, it's, I look back and, you know, I, I was an editor at DC for a long time. I worked on a lot of good books. All-star Superman was a book that I was the assistant editor on. And uh, won all the awards. And I really love that book. And it's a much better book than some of the trashy 80s Marvel I read when I was a little kid. <laughs> like, I can't I can't say that All-Star Superman is not as good as West Coast Avengers. You know what I mean? Right. But 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 11-year-old Brandon probably, I definitely loved West Coast Avengers more than current age Brandon loves All-Star Superman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I think... All-Star you know, Superman is just amazing it's amazing and i love it but i you you can't 
a 40 year old can't love a comic book as much as a 11 year old can. Yeah. So, so, you know, hopefully my quality will fall somewhere in between West coast Avengers and, and towards um, <laughs> all-star Superman for kids, but that you have that audience where they can engage in and it'd be so important to them. I think is super important. I think that's kind of reflected in, you know, this kind of never ending culture. So, you know, it, are, are 10, 11 year olds ever going to be, as into Star Wars as I was. I don't know. There's obviously new oh. stuff being made for them, but so much of, I think, the, the enjoyment to the new stuff, even those new characters, it's just maybe the investment people have in the older stuff. So I don't know. But uh, like I said, I like working uh, on a book that the fans really care about. Yes. Um, I also wanted to to point out, too, that um, going back to the audience and and having you know Moon Girl and Squirrel Girl and that scholastic you know those scholastic book fairs, right. I think it's important that you know hopefully like little boys are reading those books too and saying that hey girls can be really smart too and they can be doctors and and scientists and and things like that and I think because um, I, I this actually was something with my cousin um I had started him reading issues of Moon Girl and I think uh, and then my family who I love dearly, but you know, sometimes I don't agree with them. Um, I think it was, it was kind of mind blowing for him to be like, wow, there's a girl who's really smart. And I think uh, that's something that needs to be. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I certainly, you know, it, from my perspective, it's, it's, you know, if fans come up to me and in, in younger fans, it's a lot of younger female fans, but certainly plenty of, boys reading it also which I, which I hope you know which I hope like you said something that they find appealing and then you know it, it teaches them you know to have a broader perspective as they're growing up you know not that that's really the message or I mean it's a great message and I hope it's there but um I can't say I I plan the scripts according to that you know what I mean right but um yeah but again it just goes back to all ages all audiences everyone should really like it and there was, um, you know, I kind of think, obviously, you know, it's the common things that everyone points to, but, uh, you know, obviously you have uh, movies like Alien and Aliens uh, when I was growing up. But even manga was, um, you know, kind of the biz was starting to do stuff when I was reading comics. So you'd have really good books like Appleseed and Nausicaa, which I certainly enjoyed as mm -hmm. much as anything with a male lead. So I, I think, you know, people are sometimes a little bit gun shy. It's, it, you know... It's changed because I think all publishers are trying to make books for, for all audiences. But I can still see people being gun shy if they think their audience is young males to not put a female lead in it. But there, like I said, there's always been really strong books that have, uh, you know, that, that hasn't become an issue on people see right through it and just enjoy the story, enjoy the character. So, you know, I hope that's Moon Girl. Right. Yeah. So I have a question. Every issue begins with a quote by a scientist that's pertinent to the storyline. Right. How do you go about choosing them? And is there any you're particularly proud of? Oh. Because um, I, I think it's a really yeah. fun assignment. You know, you get the new issue and you go look up the person that the quote is from. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's, there's no hard and fast rule i've picked all of them except for i think issue 31 which was the non-smoking one which amy picked that one on um so that you know that has fallen to me 
46 of the 47 times. Um, and there's, there's no, um, I said, I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if there's an interesting story there for just totally <laughs> random because I, it, it's, it's a little bit of everything. There's stuff. Um, oftentimes if, if, uh, you know, there might be something, um, there might be something timely, at least when I write it, but there's never too big a gap between a script, me scripting something and the book coming out, maybe a couple of months, uh, you know, anywhere from maybe three months to four or five or six months on the outside. So sometimes there's something current and, um, it might have to do with, you know, I'm sure I've, uh, you know, uh, so, so, and so won a Nobel prize or recognized this, or it's an anniversary of something important, or unfortunately maybe somebody passed away and I would find, um, something relevant to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I kind of like, you know, you, you go looking, <laughs> even if you, you look for like, Oh, famous science quotes, that's a kind of cheesy way to do it. Um, but, you, you tend to, when you're looking for something, or maybe you know what it is and you have to just look it up and say, oh, what, let me get the wording exactly right because I kind of heard it and I think I'm going to use it. But then you go down an internet rabbit hole where there are all bunches of them, you know what I mean? So, oh, that's yeah. kind of good. Yeah. And, and you do, I'm, you know, I, I'm not that uh, mercenary with it. It's not like, oh, that's a good one. And I take it and I cut and paste it and put it in a file and use it again. But I'll note it and I'll say, oh, let me look into it and maybe that'll be cool and keep it in the back of my mind. Um, it's kind of, a ritual for me to find that quote. It's like, actually <laughs> when I'm writing the first page, I, uh, I usually go looking for, uh, looking for something to do. And, you know, but sometimes you say, Oh, I found two or three good ones. And then you do stack them up for an arc or something like that. So either when I'm breaking down the arc, like the five issues that are going to be collected, uh, cause we, we did move from six issues to five to try to get uh, more trades out over time. Or, um, you know, I, I try to pull and, and grab it there. And as far as uh, favorites, uh, I don't know. What, what are your favorites? I, I got obscure ones, which I'm pretty proud of. And, you know, I like I like that it's mixed around from people currently working today to, to yeah. the, I the ancient Greeks. So really like the last one for the last issue. Okay. Yeah. Because that is so true. It's so true. Because if you have a teacher that is excited about what they're teaching, I think that really helps the child learn better. And a right. teacher that respects these kids and says, yeah, these might be kids and they might not, not know as much. They're still people and they're our future and, you know, they deserve to be listened to and heard. And I just think that's so important. And that's one that I think just needs to be shouted to the rooftops because it's true. Oh, great. Uh, and that's something that Lunella has been fighting for the entire series was having the adults actually listen to her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's uh, that was always um, the the, the uh, I don't want to say the twist, but it, it was it was something that um, you know obviously it's from from page one, and, and you see the rejection letters, right? She's she's very smart. She wasn't uh, well, interestingly, she wasn't always the original intention wasn't to make her the smartest person in the Marvel universe the idea kind of popped up later. Um, again, she was just kind of in the vein of all these super smart, uh, people who become superheroes as, as tends to be the Marvel way. Um, but in that first issue where she's been rejected by all the special schools, mm -hmm. she can't even get into the gifted and talented program in public school, right? Which is, uh, you know, a bit of an, a bit of an inside joke because those things are sometimes, uh, you know, you can qualify for them, but there's no room if you're here in the city and, I, and, you know, it's a little cold and, and I, really, you know, sometimes I'm mean to teachers. 
and I love teachers. I think there's no, there's nothing better and there's nothing cooler, but it's also very fun to make them a gentle bad guy. Miss Dominguez a lot. Uh, I always like to, I always worry if I'm like doing a reading in a class, if I'm invited someplace and like the gym teacher will be like a big bore in my comic that is, or, or uh, Miss Dominguez, the science teacher really maybe doesn't know what she's talking about. Uh, but when I, the background of writing her, it's always like, oh, well, she's, she's trying her best and she's so put upon. And if, if there's ever a crisis where like a, 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 you know, she might not know as much about science as Lunella, but when, you know, when bad guys are attacking the school, she'll give her life to protect these kids. Who don't right. respect her. You know what I mean? That, and that's always, that's always background. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, I never, I never, I never showcase that stuff. Uh, but I'm afraid that a, a, a quick read will. Will make people think that uh, I somehow I, I somehow uh, dislike, uh, like I said, teachers or whatnot. But um, getting back to my point that Lunella never fit in was always part of it. That she thought she was so smart, she knew she was so smart, and had because that allowed us to write her with like that kind of cocky confidence. Right. But no, right. but nobody would respect her. And it's an ongoing joke that why is she even still in the school? She doesn't have a secret identity. Everyone knows who she is, but, uh, and, and I like that it was never said, maybe it was mentioned, it mentioned briefly, I'm sure in some of yeah. her, uh, in some of her voiceovers where she's like, what am I doing here? But the, but the gag has always been, and I was never too explicit to, to play it was, well, I mean, we, we what else are we going to do with her? We don't have, you know, I mean, she's got to go to school, right? Some, like some, some principal or department of education official thought that. And so she winds up still going to the school. She's always, she's always been at. Um, but yeah, not being recognized was a difference. Her not wanting to be a superhero. Uh, you know, we kind of couched all of that in her fear of, uh, transforming right if she, into her inhuman self. Um, that was just to kind of distance it from honestly, Ms. Marvel, right. Which right. was, she loved superheroes mm-hmm. and she did uh, fanfic and, and had these fantasies of being, so we said, well, how do, you know, almost let's try to do the opposite. You know, it's, it's not that she doesn't want to help people, um, but that she, uh, like I said, uh, she, nobody, nobody recognizes her. Uh, she, she's afraid of superpowers and whatnot. And then always has the chip in her shoulder that people think the reason she's so smart is because she's inhuman, right? Or has superpowers, right. whereas her superpower is a curse uh, in her mind. And um Instead, just she was like always that smart, right? That was something like, right. in those early issues. And a, lot, a lot of that was Amy's writing, where it was, um, you know, just the importance of her respect me for me, right. and people kind of see through mm-hmm. that to the to the hero and stuff. And that's always been a fun tension uh, to both. Excellent. So um, it's not just Moon Girl. We have Devil Dinosaur as her co-star. Mm. Um, <laughs> he's got kind of a unique language. Um, that he uses to like speak to everyone. And what is the origin of Maru? <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't remember. There's a language, and certain things mean certain things. Um, but it was obviously to keep it simple because he's a dinosaur, right? Uh, but he had kind of right. It's kind of the, the you know he's confused. What or something like that. So there's not that many words, but there's you know him growling his rawr and then there's his brew which when he's puzzled yeah and then it's also but it's also when he doesn't understand something is with the m in front of it when he's just kind of being you know like trying to communicate affection or something like that it would just be no m in front of just (laughs) r-o-o-r-o-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-r-o-
and um, and and people like it. Um, there's some things that I don't know. I, I you know there's there's some things where except it's it's just that you know like I said you don't give too much. But it's re- it's really in the acting that Natasha brings to the character. Yeah. So I I don't think you really ever know, need to know the code, right? And if you could see, yeah. you could read a random issue at first and you maybe won't like Maru as much as somebody who's seen it before, you know what I mean? Right. But I don't think you, I don't think you lose anything in the communication. No. But I, I like, you know, I, I do like just as a traditional, not, not that I'm a traditionalist, but just as a comic fan who's been the comic fan, uh, you know, I do like how comics try to deal with sound and that's all Travis Lanham, the letter. Yeah. Uh, you know, it goes back to big blocky sound effects and fonts and balloon choice and, and all that stuff. And to give him a couple of catchphrases, so to speak, um, just kind of it just kind of developed. Uh, it was conscious. I don't you know, I, there's no reason that I pick the sounds that I picked, but it was he does have a language and it's what he communicates and he does have feelings. And he uses these words, word, the, the word word being you know very liberal use of it. Um, so yeah, there was, so I said, some of that stuff's intentional. If you look at some of the, uh, when, when Lunella's in, um, devil dinosaur's body, when their minds switch, a lot of times, you, you know, he's devil dinosaur, which is really Lunella's mind inside devil dinosaur will be making sounds that he doesn't usually make because it's not him controlling it. It's. Lunella Honestly, I don't think I ever paid attention to that. Yeah, I need to go back and reread that, everything now. Yeah, and not only that, and it's funny because I would get into, uh, not like arguments, but I'd have a couple back and forth with the editor on some of that stuff. And I would always make it that the sounds he's making mirror the thoughts in her head. So you can, but I, I would really obscure it so much. Sometimes it would just be syllables, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if you see like a weird, if, if it's if it's Lunella's mind in Devil Dinosaur and Devil Dinosaur's making strange sounds, match them up against the uh, balloons and you'll see that she's actually speaking out loud what's going on in the captions you know it's it said uh, it, it's I, I made it so far removed from the actual sounds that you can't really that you can't you know it's it's no it's no uh it's no wonder when people miss it but and no, no, I'm gonna like so my editor said oh you should make that more explicit I said no 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 i just keep it I'll just keep it goofy. So yeah, huh? And as silly as that is, um, there's a lot of things, and and you know, this is I've read All Star Superman probably more than anybody on the planet because I had to read every time it came in and multiple times and you do drafts and everything else. But I still pull it off the shelf every uh, year. So and even though I edited it, it was there for every stage of production. I find something new in it all the time. All the books I work on, I try to make them pre-readable and, and find different things and. You know, we're talking goofy lettering thing. A lot of stuff Natasha will just add. And there's some just like amazing, not, not even so much Easter eggs, but something you can really stop and think about in the context of stories that came before or after that really add a lot. Maybe, and, you know, they're not like nobody catches them on the first time. There's 20 and everyone catches 15, but maybe not necessarily the same 15. And then you go back and you get another couple and you go back and you get another couple. But there's so much great things that even I find that, uh, I missed when I was just doing maybe the final dialogue pass that Natasha put in the art, like uh, the end of the third arc where there's the big, everyone gets together, which we thought would be the last issue, number 18. Oh, uh, yeah. so we, were kind of, mm-hmm. we were kind of surprised that we got past 12 and then Zoe will make her the smartest person that kind of will leave her in a good place. So the idea was that she would 
that's why 18, the third arc, which is issues 13 through 18, she's, it's basically meeting all different people from the Marvel universe, right? Right. Tree Williams, one issue, Dr. Strange, X-Men, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the idea was that she was becoming a part of the Marvel universe. And if we had to leave her at 18, she'd be a character that was floating around that other people could, could use. use. Right. right. Um, but at the end of that, so there's a big battle Royale, you know, you know, not to give spoilers, but I'm sure, you know, <laughs> so right. not it. And, and one of the characters, Kid Cree returns and he was always kind of in love with her. And there's just like this scene where he like he says, hey, I came to help you. And she's like, yeah, whatever. I'm like, she's on to something else already. Yeah. He's, just, he's just walking away with his hands in his pocket, Aww. kicking a can down the street. And that was 100 percent. Tasha It's so great. And I remember I, like, I didn't see it the first. I, probably, I didn't see it until it was definitely colored and printed and put in everything else. So I can't believe I missed it. It's such a good, such yeah. a great. So, I love uh, Natasha's artwork. She's so great. Oh, uh, she's fantastic. Yeah. I have the running sight gag of the different things that Doomhead is on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I don't know if I ever gave her one. I'm pretty sure she came up with every single one. Was that like an idea? Like, did you just say have them be on something different every issue, or she just did it? Yeah, no, yeah. I think, I think, I'm trying to think if there was maybe like the first time if I said put him on that like i think he was on the stop sign and that might have been like you know <laughs> yeah. put him on there and i thought that he would be there always but then she started moving around which was which which which, which just added another dimension of fun so it was cool I and sometimes it was like yeah he had he had uh once he was flying around on something yes uh, yeah and i almost said a little much, drone. yeah like he shouldn't have a drone because i gave him <laughs> too much of the the whole point was he can't move around at will you know he's just like wherever <laughs> now decide to put him but like i said it says natasha's contribution i'm not gonna mess with that it's, it's great because you put him on a on the head of a rocking horse and all this other crazy stuff right? oh so, well the yeah. the drone that makes sense now of how he got his body together yeah right had to, yeah right that's what we'll say it was it was, he was slowly but surely uh putting that together in, in the background uh yeah but I, lo- I mean i love you know it's funny because i i was i spoke of it before a lot of the fans for Moon Girl, as much as they'll appreciate the Doctor Strange crossover, would rather just have more Moon Girl. You know, uh, I I could write all day Doomhead and Kid Cree and uh, you know a Moonbot Seven is a personal favorite of mine. Eduardo and Zoe are absolutely my favorite. So towards the end, when they said, "Oh, you know, we're gonna gonna wrap it up," do I go to issue fifty? I said, "Ah, oh, you know, I'll just." Just do with what we have. But I did take that story where they're in the museum. With, uh, issue fifty. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, they, like I said, they, 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 you know, they want, you know, for for various reasons, they wanted to wrap the series up, and I didn't want to fight for uh, for the stuff because I, you know, just personally, always believe that, you know, I'm not going to beg them to do more issues. They should be begging me to do every issue, and they should be begging Natasha and the whole team. And I have a great relationship with Marvel, so that might sound like there's animosity, but there really isn't. Um, but I did squeeze in uh, into that. Uh, there's that the towards the end. I can't remember the issue. I guess it would be maybe it's 45. I hope it's 45 with uh, Aletha Martinez who did all the final issues. Um, she was brilliant, by the way. She was great, and she had to hit the ground running and didn't have a lot. She did one filler uh, in the uh, in the Fantastic Three arc, which was cool. And then when she came back, because Natasha was on maternity leave, and Natasha's baby's about six months old now. Uh, but, you know, Aletha was going to be on for a good long time and we really, really hit a stride uh, in those last few issues. And I would have done another 47 
just with the, I really liked it. But uh, that issue 45, where they're in the museum and the uh, devil dinosaur kind of uh, sees uh, maybe somebody who remembers or reminds <laughs> in the fossil. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Eduardo and Zoe in there. And I, and I like cram those pages. I said, well, that was kind of my one indulgence in wrapping up the series was to, um, to, to get Eduardo and Zoe a couple more moments. Cause I, I like them a lot. I mean, I like the parents. I like Mr. Dominguez. I like all those characters. I love all the bad guys. I could do a mini series on the killer folk who nobody has seen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Princess Fisk is, is of course a favorite. Yes. She was great. I love, I love her yeah. as a foil for Lunella. She is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it was great. And, um, and, um, so, but you, you gotta, you gotta be careful because it's easy for the writer and the creative team to love all that stuff and then go too deep a dive. So, and then again, if you put too much in, maybe people wouldn't like it as much. It's good to, it's good to give them a little bit. Speaking of the, uh, the stories, like the story in the museum, we, we, mm-hmm. you know, we've been reviewing all the moon girls comics sure. and you notice that some of the stories got a little sadder near the end. Well, <laughs> oh, no, you know, devil oh, dinosaur no. seeing his, his yeah. old girlfriend who's now a fossil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back in time to uh, meet her That's grandmother. A, yeah, yeah. That's my reading too, by the way. There's some people like, oh, does it just remind us? No, that was actually <laughs> devil dinosaur's old girlfriend uh, that happened to wind up there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe some of that led through. I will say that the, um, the arc. That was always going to be a sad one. The arc, the story, it's not even an arc, it was a story. The story with um, Lunella going back in time to see her grandmother was originally planned to be an arc where she was going to keep on, she was going to hit, you know, a 60s comic, 70s, she'd see her her grandparents, her grandmother as a little girl, then all of her grandparents as young adults, then her parents as kids, and then her parents right before she's born. That was kind of going to be an entire arc. Uh, and then, like you know, then the word came down that we're gonna maybe wrap it up. And I said, well, I can I can finish that arc off, or I can do some other stories. Um, so uh, the, but that was always probably intended to be sad, but it was also something that would have ended happy if we had got five issues of it. But uh, you know, that's the way it is. And it was also you know you, you have to put I think some of those stories in uh, that are sad. But you're right, yeah, it did add a, on a real bummer when they're in the museum, also. Um, so. Yeah, it's just, you know, some things that, um, you know, w- when things, when it was decided that we're going to stop with the monthly issues and Natasha was going on maternity leave and Aletha were trying to get good space, a good um, head start on stuff. So Ray hyped that Spider-Man and, and there was the Christmas. Uh, I love the Christmas issue. Yeah, well, there's, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, but the Christmas issue was older. I'm getting confused. There was the yeah. Thor issue, which was done by. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who also did the Christmas issue. I love the Christmas issue. Dinosaur. Um, yeah, and, and so it was. So some of those were like all being done at like the same time, or in weird orders or stuff like that. So there's a bit of obviously uh, in that Thor crossover uh, that was War of the Realms or whatever it was, but it was you know, away with it by just making a flashback. So we didn't tie too much into it. Just kind of bookends to, to make it an official tie over. Uh, excuse me, crossover. Um, but there was a bit of like a uh, uh, devil dinosaur falling in love with a dragon. I was like, oh, and then, then we had him and his old girlfriend in the museum. Those were a little too close together, uh, but they were kind of stories that were floating around. So, and that was just kind of, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's on me. It was kind of the whirlwind of, of those last 
um, I don't know, seven or so issues come together. And, and Natasha, like I said, wrapping, um, wrapping up Bad Dream, which uh, which I really liked. But I love that, that arc, too. I love yeah. every arc. I can't and that's, only, and that's only four issues just to accommodate uh, Natasha's schedule. And, you know, Natasha probably could have gotten every issue drawn. It was just that it was either, you know, maybe I didn't get the trips in enough or uh, Marvel wasn't uh, approving stuff far enough uh, ahead. And again, not to blame Marvel, just in the regular course of business. I mean, it was pretty, pretty fast. And she didn't, you know, she, you know, I don't want to speak for her, but she always, I kind of, you know, was, was really good with the, with whoever was doing the fill-in artists. And and I think appreciated the break just so she didn't have to always grind, but it was really fast enough to to do it all. And again, just wrapping into it. I I love the bad remark, but it's, we had to kind of had to, we, you know, I had to shave an issue off of it to, um, to make sure Natasha could get everything. And, and like I said, <laughs> and had, right. she had bigger fish, to, she had bigger fish to fry at the end of that deadline. Yes. Um, and I, I really, I really like that. Uh, I really like that a lot, but um, I look at that. I'm, I'm only criticizing myself of, oh, I would have done a couple of things a little differently if, um, if I had to, if I had to do it over again, because uh, I really liked the bedroom mark. And I thought it had like a, I think it came out great, but it, it could have been um I really like the character. I really like the idea of it. So, you know, it's, it's kind of themed. So I know I'm going to revisit again with uh, another project. So, Excellent. Oh. And I guess when we're talking about Natasha, I'd like to talk a uh, shout out to Color Camera Bond villain because absolutely she just nailed every issue. I think she colored every issue too. Yeah, every issue, every panel uh, and, 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 and added a lot. To say that she added a lot is an understatement. Uh, she had never worked with Natasha before. Uh, Natasha hadn't done too much, you know. She she did, you know, she did an issue of uh, Spider Woman for Marvel, and uh, I. Which is very good, a, by the way. Yeah, I like I like I like I, I like Javier Rodriguez a lot. I, I like the that Spider Woman uh, title a lot. Um, she had done a short story with me at Vertigo, so it was really that's you know it was, it was through the connection. With me, I think more that that we were able to get her on Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. But my point being, um, she had colored a lot of her own stuff and hadn't worked with a lot of colorists. Well, they were <clears> they <throat> were me. magic she, together. Oh yeah, and and my and, and and Natasha can color and is like I was saying is pretty fast. Uh, but she welcomed Tamara, and Tamara really was uh, is an amazing um, part of of the characters and the book because the book has definitely has a look uh and you know and as much as it's uh you know you flip through it every month and when you see um ray height do a book or uh alitha do a book or any of these other people like Tamara really uh, made it feel like moon girl and devil dinosaur but not like we're trying to only make it well we don't have natasha this month we're gonna try to not trick you but you know what i mean it's kind of squeeze it all together. Right. Uh, Tamara is, is super sensitive. Uh, she really puts so much into it. Her, her color choices are always perfect. Um, and it, you know, it's just, it's, she's got a, she's got a style, uh, on, on, on this book. So it's not, you know, there is a kind of, Hey, this is a regular pages and these are the outer space or interdimensional pages. And uh, of course you get to play with that stuff and it's always super creative, but there is, um, I don't know, like I said, a stylization to it, because it's not, it's not really... She was able so to adapt herself to the style of the artist, I think. 
Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and also not just color from a storytelling point of view, which is obviously so important because you have times of day, you have drama, you have all these, you know, in a comic book, that's a Marvel comic, you have explosions and stuff like that. But it was uh, idiosyncratic to this ex- to extent that nobody else could do it like Tamara. He gives someone a color chart, but the books would not look the same and, and couldn't be duplicated. She really put a lot of thought into uh, every scene and every and every page. Um, and, you know, I don't want to take anything away from Tamara by also adding in Travis Lanham, the editor, but I don't want to forget uh, the editor, I'm sorry, the writer. Uh, and just like uh, Tamara colored every panel, Travis lettered every panel. Uh, he brought a lot of his, uh, his own touch to all of that stuff. A lot of times letterers are uh, really pressed for time and they're doing a lot of books and at Marvel, they're kind of all farmed out and, and do stuff. When I was still at DC, where I knew Travis, he was an in-house letter. So, you know, they'd get the pages in the morning and turn them back to you in the afternoon. And it was kind of efficiency uh, has become, you know, uh, the kind of baseline for all that stuff. So to be creative, you really have to be diligent. And for 47 issues, again, on every panel, Travis really has been. And, and that stuff that um, uh, really makes the book what it is. And it's not an easy book. To letter because you have a lot of sound effects. You have a lot of um, dueling uh, captions, and 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 you know you have the Lunella saying something out loud, and then also thinking something, and you have to kind of place those just right for it to flow. And um, again, talking between a short character that's four feet tall and a thirty foot T Rex isn't easy at all. And Travis would, you know, it you know it's hard enough that Natasha would add out. But Travis would have to find a way to that you could read the balloons in order, and they wouldn't look weird, and they wouldn't look on goofy planes. And um, he did a lot of things, maybe that you're not supposed to do, like extra long tails and darting behind stuff and squiggling it around. But he made it look like it was a cool new way of doing stuff, and not somehow to make it work. He just made it absolutely beautiful. And uh, no, I mean it really is. Uh, you know, we we had. Um, you know, I've always been around, and Natasha's always been there, but needs some fill-in. Tamara's always been there. Travis has always been there. We launched with Amy. It's really, like, everybody who worked on that book really played a big part, so. Thank you, guys. Travis said a big team. <clears throat> you don't really Sorry think about that. about that team effort that it goes into, because when Natasha's laying out panels, she has to make sure that Travis can get that letter lettering in and fit in a way that doesn't really block her art. Yeah, and you know a lot of that's a lab, but a lot of that falls to you know the the letter at the end of the day because maybe the artist will say, well, I'm just going to do it and let let the letter <laughs> figure it out. But um, you know, Travis has always been enthusiastic and doing a great job. I actually think he did Spider Woman too. He was a letter on Spider Woman, and there's this one issue of Spider Woman where it's Jessica going across the panels and telling how hard being a parent is, and it's just a word dump. And I think he had to do all of that lettering for that page. And it was just, yeah, I think letterers are underrated. Colorists, their, their work is art too. give your letterers and colorists a hug everyone. <laughs> um, so there are still some things that, uh, are unresolved. I feel, um, despite the fact that we have this lovely 47 issues, um, <laughs> Moonbot seven existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
would you have expounded more on that and if you got another like 20 issues or so or more or less well i definitely would have revisited moonbot 7 again uh over the over the next 20 issues um but i don't know it's it's i didn't have a resolution in mind so i don't know if i ever would have would have gotten to it um sometimes i think the beauty of superhero comics especially you know monthly comics is that you know the challenge is that you have to kind of reset everything and so nothing can really change you know what i mean right it's kind of you mm-hmm. but that's kind of the beauty of it also and it's not unique to comics it's you know it's, it's old star trek episodes and, and and anything else uh you can think of um it's these are the characters you're going to put them in situations you're going to play off of uh different themes forever and ever and ever and i liked the simplicity of something like moon about seven yeah which you have ever known what it was like to be i was gonna say like a real boy the idea being that if, if people haven't clocked it before it was, you know she's always very much a pinocchio character and uh you know she and uh, her thing would have been that she wanted to be real uh, as much as you know lunella didn't want to be an inhuman and kind of had a had a uh a, a, a love-hate relationship with uh, that side of her Maybe that's what uh, Moonbot Seven was doing as well, and I just, but I just liked um, how seriously she took everything, <laughs> and she had no emotions, but in my mind, a lot of heart, you know. So I hope, hopefully, that went through, and uh, even if it didn't, people respond to her in whatever way they respond to her is totally cool with me. Um, I just like her look with the, like I said, an old school puppet. I thought yeah. Natasha did a great job. With it. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then Lunella's relationship with her parents, I felt like. I don't know. Like it was never all. Was yeah, like a, a lot of people, and like I said, some of your uh, your old uh, podcast mates were even more loud about it. That oh yeah, like what are the parents? Are they ever going to come around? And that was the same thing too. It's like I, I really, you know, I, if I relate to anybody in life, it would obviously be the parents, not a not a nine year old kid. Um, my daughter's not ten, right? So it was right right in that age group. Um, I think it was important for them. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you know, people, obviously people approach scripting differently, um, but fundamental to me and to, and high on the list of most people is that you have to have everything serve the story. Right. Um, and for me, everything serving the story means every, everything serving the Lunella character. So you surround them with people who maybe don't have a lot of, dimension you know and you talk about well does lunella really change that much and does devil dinosaur change that much as 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 much as you're limited as to what you can do changing them month in and month out i feel like you really almost need one-dimensional characters for them to bounce off of so the parents where they were was kind of important narratively to construct stories with that they had an attitude that was familiar and that they the fact that they wanted to be better parents was part of it that they would ever be better parents, I don't know. And they weren't bad parents. So to me, uh, you know, if I wrote it, 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 the way I tried to write it was that you'd be sympathetic, that they were kind of at the end of their rope and they didn't know what to do. Uh, and they, But they were always trying because that's what parents would actually always do. And I think some readers reply to, well, they're always trying. They have to, one day, they have to one day have that breakthrough. But, uh, you know, if, if I had 20 issues to do that, would I have ever had made them have a breakthrough? I don't know. Some of the, you know, it's, I think they're they're nice moments. They're funny sometimes, but also sad. Uh, you know, yeah. you're about, uh, you know mm-hmm. they're in the Fantastic Three episode where uh, it's Moonbot Seven. You know, uh, um, 
I'm sorry, not the Fantastic Three. It was the uh, the Girl Moon stuff where Moonbot yeah. Seven's left behind <laughs> trying to trick her parents, and the parents don't even know that it's not their daughter, right? As absurd as this, it wasn't trying to be mean spirited to the parents, like, oh my god, they're so silly, they don't even know their own daughter. It was just like, you know, as as uh, as highfalutin and artsy as it sounds like well maybe like they never really could connect with it they never knew who their daughter was and that was i think important to the character and the relationship um and that was obviously married between the ego and his daughter illa right right the, the girl yep. so you know um you know if i guess you know if it's funny because now the series is over so if they said okay you have exactly another one or another 47 or another 500 and then you're going to end it I guess you want to bring all those things together, but I never thought of it that way. You know, nothing lasts forever, but the idea of a Marvel book in my mind is that you just do a new story every month, you know, and the readership has changed to a certain extent. So you're doing arcs and uh, they want maybe more development and some change and some new characters. So you're not as, you know, it's not like, Oh, it's 40 years Spider-Man. Then you got to keep them, keep cranking that out. But at the same time, it's not, it's not a, it's never was a, um, wasn't a 47 issue beginning and middle and end like rocket girl the book. I did at image that's a beginning, middle and end It ended where it was supposed to. And we had ideas to do more and we may still do more, uh, but it would be a very different book. And the 10 that we had is where we had to leave her in a different place. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's people wanted more people felt that the parents should have, you know, I suppose if they ended tragically, if they, hated her or something not that i would ever go there but that would at least be an ending but the idea was that no they have to kind of sustain in the position they're at as purely a storytelling device for me to use which sounds maybe cold but you know i love those characters i love the parents i love the the dinner table scenes and i love the one time it was kid Cree's alien parents at a dinner table went to play all that stuff so that's that's fun to do and i could do i could do 20 pages of that in an issue but you know Right. Chris Robinson, the editor, would kill, so. <laughs> yeah, we don't want that. Well, e- yeah, even that, like the... I said, that's, that's how the sausage is made. So it might upset people by saying, oh, no, I want the parents to, to kind of come through and, and to realize this stuff. But they, they need, they're in a position, as like I said, as mercenary and bold as it sounds, they're in a position to forward the protagonist's story, as All silly right. as that is. Got it. Yeah. Well, even though the, the series is over... That we have a cartoon on the way. Yes, that's the uh, that's the plan. What what can you tell us? Um, well, I, if I, anything I, I, about the show, yeah, so I'm limited to what I can say. You are involved uh, I, that, with it, right? I am, uh, but it's it's so early in the process that there's I haven't done. I mean, to say that I've done anything except I've I had a couple of phone calls. You know, uh, there there's ideas they still haven't. Um, kind of. So I'm trying to trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to phrase it in the ways I can talk about. It's still in the um, you know, it's it's been greenlit. They're putting it together. They're going to be uh, assigning um, writers to episodes and and putting the story together. But they still have a lot of story elements to hash out. And some of the early stuff that I've been approached doing is at that initial stage. Like, hey, like you obviously, you know, I I almost w- w- thought I was bragging or something like. But when someone says nobody knows the character better than you, I, I think I can safely say that and not <laughs> sound you know. <laughs> no, you're if not bragging me, there because you've only written yeah, her for exactly. 47 if issues me, and is co-creator. Right, right. 
<laughs> if it's me or if it's Natasha or if it's the creative team, we probably do have an idea. And there's a desire on uh, Disney's part for me to be involved in that capacity where they really want to kind of map out uh, what they're going to do for the first season and beyond. Right. And then from that, they're you know, going to be assigning scripts and I hope I'm involved in both of those things. But so far that it's still, like I said, it's still just in the earliest planning stages, although it is, you know, greenlit as a series, it's going to be not on that new um, Disney plus, but it's actually on the Disney channel proper. Oh, so, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a little bit, it's a little bit of a different, <clears throat> sorry, I'm choking to death. Uh, it's a little bit of a, yeah, I know. <laughs> I think I'm, it's, um, it's, it's removed from kind of the Marvel animation stuff. It's different producers within Disney and some different uh, creatives on it. So it really is almost, I don't want to say it's like, I'm not an expert at this stuff, but it's almost like, you know, like a licensor, even though it's all one big company, it's all Marvel and it's all Disney. It's not working with the people who've put together and are putting together the other new shows. It's, it's totally different. And I'm sure it'll be streaming like everything else, but the idea is that it's for Disney channel and uh, we'll be on cable and, you know, marketed a bit differently and not packaged uh, with that other stuff and kind of promotion and whatnot, which is interesting in a way because it's um, there's some, there's not a lot, but there's some connection between the people who publish comics and then the people who uh, also do most of the Marvel animation, you know, right. and there's, and there's still a little bit of a connection to the stuff that people I'm working with, but it is kind of, like I said, one more step removed. So it's, it's interesting because it's different, and um, it's you know, like in a lot of ways, ball game compared to everything else. Yeah, so it's like I mean, it, it, and I'm making it maybe sound weirder than it is, but instead of them working on Hit Monkey and Squirrel Girl and all those other things, the people that I work with also work on McTales and Kim Possible and that type of stuff. You know what I mean? Right. It's uh, <laughs> so it's uh, I don't know. It, Moon Girl has always been kind of an outsider, and it's I'm, it's kind of interesting to. Uh, you know, I, I meant, you know, so far, very interesting to see kind of what their perspective is, what they find important of it, what they want to reuse it as. Uh, I don't go into any kind of project if it's, like I said, with Rocket Girl, if a movie producers interested in anything like that. I'm not very precious about story. Uh, I, want, I just want it to be good. And, right. and TV or film or a video game is so different than the comics that I don't feel that it needs to be the same. You know, I, like, I'm, almost, I'm almost interested in seeing people take it in different directions. So, you know, some of the things that needs to be determined is how much of the Marvel Universe is going to be in Moon Girl and Devil Dance. You know what I mean? Right. And then why do you say, well, I want everything I want. But I want Doomhead is, is we'll definitely get that, but are you going to get Doctor Strange? Are you going to get The Thing? Are you going to get all these, you know? And um, <laughs> as much as I want that, I've also, like I said before, I've seen fans who just want more moon girl and devil dinosaur so it'll be interesting to see how it falls but um you know coming out next year starting to roll right now uh as to the planning of it and i'm involved a little bit and i hope to be a little bit more and more as as it goes on excellent that's awesome so if uh we're getting the moon girl tv show do you think they might relaunch a comic to coincide with it sort of like they do with mo rising I think uh, the comics are, um, in general, just publishing is, um, I, I, I know Marvel has a lot of plans, and I think they have a lot of plans and, and a lot of different stuff, um, 
our readership was always with trade paper, like collected editions, right? So right. great for fans who'd buy number 41 and then number 42, but most people bought them as the thicker collected editions where you get the, you know, the five issue story or the six right. issue story collected and put out. So there was always talk about does it make more sense to do an original graphic novel instead of doing the single issues. And, um, and I'm just, um, this is me just, you know, kind of making educated guesses. I, I'm not involved in it. So the, the short answer is, I don't know. Uh, Marvel's no current plans to bring it back in the form that it was. Uh, I don't know uh, any other plans that they have for the character. I think they're kind of assessing right now, but they, they did wrap up girl and uh, wasp and uh, just about everything else. And Willow uh, left uh, Ms. Marvel. And I don't think, uh, I think it would be foolish to think, that they wrapped up all that stuff after uh, those books won very important shelf inches of shelf on libraries and bookstores. So um, I, you know, I, I think the future for all of those characters is more something that's more geared towards original graphical sales and graphic novel sales. Um, so I think you're going to see probably, and if when Moon Girl comes back, it'll be in that kind of initiative and that's and that just an educated guess right. uh, on my part that um it, it uh, you know like i said i i hope all that one comes out no plans yet um but i would like to do that because um i grew up on monthly comics i really love them but when you're doing a book that most people are going to read as 120 pages let's say it's much better to have 120 pages to map out what you want rather than six 20 page chunks that represent issues so right so we'll see but uh yeah but nothing soon nothing on the horizon i know she's gonna pop up very shortly in something i'm doing or very shortly meaning very briefly oh uh but you know, it's, what, what? It's, it's, it's the littlest oh. of little things but you know if you follow me on twitter you'll you'll see what it is oh. for sure be montclair be montclair Twitter. Yeah, that wasn't a plug. I, yeah, I no, really didn't mean that. but that people will want to know. Seven. They're probably yeah. already following you anyway. My but point in case is, you yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I mean, exactly. It'll, it'll be. It'll, you know, she's going to be popping up in something, and uh, so if you if you missed her, you'll get to see her again for a little brief something, and uh, it's not announced yet. And my point is, you won't miss it when it's announced. Uh, you know, I'll be talking about it. I don't know if you're talking about it for fans, so you'll see. So you won't miss it. So. Aside from a little something that's not announced yet that will be announced at some point in the future, what else is next for you? Uh, I've been working on a lot of stuff for the book market. Um, you know, like so as opposed to comic shops, right? I mean, just regular bookstores, Amazon libraries. And I'm working on a bunch of, um, I, I mean, I have a couple of graphic novel series greenlit. Uh, they're like, it's real early to talk about them though, because. The book market, uh, the or you can call it the mass. They want they get everything done first, which means you have to have a home. They're 140 pages. My format happens to be uh, 144, so you have to have all those done and lettered and colored and everything else. And then they send it out for reviews and galleys, and then they start the solicitation. So it's about like an 18 month process, um, which is on top of me pitching the book, in addition to me pitching the book and getting the script together and everything else. So it's really like the end of next year. Is when that stuff's starting to come out, and it's a little, and it's a little early to talk about, but um, you know, hopefully, some cool books with some cool creators of 
that you might uh, be familiar with and maybe I worked with before uh, doing some, some new ones that, that I worked with. But uh, unfortunately, just um, not something that's really going to be announced anytime soon. So as a, just a writer, you try to be on the shelf because, you know, if I'm gone for a year and a half, people think I left comics. I got hit by a bus. Nobody wants to work with me anymore. I don't know. So I, I am conscious of something that would be kind of a monthly mainstream comic and i got something cooking i had something that was going and then it falls through and then you got something else going i've been trying on that end to do almost the opposite stuff where it's not kids and all just because right it's 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 it's, uh i do a lot of that a lot of that cooking and i grew up reading comics about spider-man swinging on a rope and fighting venom so uh i'm not doing spider-man and venom that would be cool i am doing more of a uh, of a superhero uh, mainstream action-oriented book mm. that'll be announced. Hopefully, be announced. Probably won't be announced. Maybe by maybe by the holiday, like by Christmas, maybe early next year. So yeah, so keep him busy. But yeah, I mean nothing, nothing too much to uh, to talk about. All right. Well, thank you for um, coming on to the show, and we love having you. Um, so uh, that was really all the questions we had. There's nothing They're else, great. but we. Um, we're so thankful you came to the show. We're thankful for the 47 issues of Moon Girl. And um, hopefully when your uh, next comic is announced, uh, we may have you again. I'd love to have it. I do like, I do like talking. So oh, I hope, uh... we love having you. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. And, you know, it, it's, it's really something uh, to celebrate 47 issues. You know, it, I think nobody's, a lot <laughs> of people underestimated how long this comic would go. And I yeah, think... Yeah, no, yeah, well... Well, just that. I mean, it's 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 really a huge victory to get this book to go as long as it did, and uh, you know, in, in in a lot of ways, you know, it, it got twelve issues of school, and then they wanted eighteen, and they were, and and you really have to say, wow, I can't believe it's still going. It's 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 unbelievable. And then there is a little bit when like forty seven, they say that's going to be your last issue. You kind of feel like the dope who got a, who who got a good thing canceled. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, but in, but in reality, just with the market that it is, and it's funny because you know what? If this was, you know, people say, "Oh, it's it's forty seven issues, and it didn't get a relaunch, and it didn't get all those other things." But a book like this shouldn't get a relaunch. I think they tried that with Squirrel Girl and, and Ms. Marvel, and it didn't, you know, didn't do for the publishing number crunchers what they wanted it to. Um, so it's like, yeah, man, it was a great issue. It was forty seven. It was a brand new character. Uh, you know, obviously, like I said, Devil Dinosaurs around, but. I don't know if you're ever again going to see all ages are a new character launch with a number one and go 47 issues. You know what I mean? I just don't know right. that the yeah. market will ever see that. And is it because Moon Girl was a better superhero comic book than Hulk or Spider-Man or Captain America? Anything else? No, it's, it, it almost lasted that long because it was so weird. You know what I mean? Like they're like, well, we're not going to relaunch it. The trades are doing so well. We, we have a process so of, we do six of these and collect them and put them in. So it was just kind of, you know, it just made sense to do it for a while, but there were so many challenges to do also that, you know, maybe the energy should be uh, spent elsewhere rather than trying to say, where are the six covers this month? It'll be, how do we get the actors to flow a little uh, more seamlessly and how do we get it to audiences? Because a lot of people who read the book didn't necessarily, you know, everyone who reads a second tier uh, uh, character, like let's say Moon Knight, and I pick Moon Knight because there's no Moon Knight series now. Certain amount of people read Moon Knight. All the people who read Moon Knight probably also read Avengers. You know, right. um, Moon Girl had a lot of readers, and 
some of them read Avengers, but a lot of them didn't. A lot of them didn't read anything else but Moon Girl, you know? Right. So, you know, I think everybody appreciates that and they want to see what kind of audience is building there. So you're definitely going to, I think, see another wave coming out of Marvel. You're already seeing it at DC with all these uh, all ages, well, young adult and different age bracket books coming at DC. And it's a fun thing to be in and uh, I think it's great. Yeah, well, thank you again, Brandon. Um, it's a pleasure as yeah. always. And uh, you can, once again, uh, find Brandon on Twitter if you haven't already at bmontclair. That's it. And uh, you can find us at Adelan Rising One on Twitter. So we would love to hear from. As a matter of fact, we have a giveaway uh, for some uh, collected editions. We have um, that we will be giving away. So um, I don't have them off the top of my head. I know the Martha there is one of them, and then um, the beginning issues one through twelve all collected. So if you awesome. guys want to tweet us, and they're signed by Brian uh, Brandon. I got them signed when we were at NYCC because they're awesome. So thank you. <laughs> And uh, you can uh, enter to win by uh, tweeting us uh, your favorite Moon Girl and Double Dinosaur moment and use the hashtag Moon Girl Favorite Moments so that we can track you and then tweet and refollow because we'll also be posting it on Twitter. All right, guys. Thanks again. And until next time. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you.